Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hello and welcome to the Dork Forest. Jackie Cation here. It is November or December, which means please do not donate to the Dork Forest this month. Direct donations should go to your local food bank. To do that, you would Google the words food bank and then the name of your town and then one will show up and then you will send them the $10 or the $100 or the gajillion dollars that you would have sent to me, Jackie Cation, to a food bank in your neighborhood. Anyway, let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard. He's going to sing his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio, and Vilmos works on my website, JackieCation.com. The DorkForest.com has all the notes, the link to the YouTube version of the show, which is just the the show is available on iTunes, and there's a player on DorkForest.com. But there's also a YouTube version of it if you can't listen to iTunes for some reason at work. But you can listen to YouTube, so knock yourself out. JackieCation.com has all the rest of it. If you want to support the show by buying Christmas gifts or Hanukkah gifts or Kwanzaa gifts, go to the merch page, knock yourself out. All the t-shirts, there's a Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirts, there's Spooky Reading Girl, there is uh, Meat Shield t-shirts. The Meat Shield t-shirts remain a charitable t-shirt that go to the ACLU, Black Lives Matter, and Southern Law Poverty Center. Uh, You can do that. There are also pins, Spooky Reading Girl and Meat Shield pins. Those are not yet available on the website because I haven't gotten it together. But email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, and we'll figure it out. There is my calendar, which is available. You can see where I'm playing uh, stand-up comedy-wise. And I'm on the road a bunch in December this year. So feel free to come out and see me do stand-up comedy live. There are videos. You can watch me do stand-up comedy. You can see a clip of my DVD, This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux, which is available streaming or as a hard copy on the merch page as well. There is the Amazon banner. If you're going to order from Amazon, you can use the Amazon banner on dorkforest.com or jackiecation.com. It's just a portal. Sends you to Amazon. You order like normal, and it supports the Dork Forest. Uh, There are premium episodes on Bandcamp. So it'd be thedorkforest.bandcamp.com, and they are probably a dozen episodes that are live. They cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I charge you a couple of bucks. There's also some free episodes and uh, a storytelling album on that Bandcamp page. Help yourself. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Feel free to review it on iTunes if you like, or email me if you have any questions or problems, jackiejackiecation.com. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Uh, I had to double check to see if we were recording, Robert Buscemi. How are you doing? I'm great. Welcome to the Dork Forest. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. You should be. What? What just happened there? It got belligerent. It's so funny because, okay, well, first of all, let me tell people that you are a great comic. Thank you uh, so everybody much. Everybody find the Robert Buscemi out in the world. It's at Robert Buscemi on Twitter and Instagram, robertbuscemi.com. And um, the, you have two albums, uh, Palpable and One Pretty Peacock. And you just did, this is, it's gone, but people can find it, an episode of Ray Donovan. Right. And you're going to be on, a, on an upcoming episode of that Netflix special, Netflix TV show, Frankie and Grace. Or Grace and Frankie. I don't re- ever remember what whether it's Grace and Frankie or Frankie and Grace or Grace and whatever. Right. But yes. Fair enough. Uh, you're not, yeah, you're not wrong. I don't either. Um, all I know is that Baron Vaughn's on it and my mother-in-law loves it. He's great. So, uh, yes. and I want to watch everything, but I don't watch anything except for, uh, I only, right now, I'm eight episodes behind in uh, Cloak and Dagger, and I understand there's a new series of uh, Discovery that's oh, come that's out. that's good. So those are two things that I'm interested in watching uh, that I'm also not watching. Yeah. So, uh, knowing your heart. So you, hilariously, the last, like, of the last ten episodes of The Dork Forest, this is probably the sixth one where essentially we're all trying to figure out how to cope with our lives. Mm-hmm. And so all of our dorkdoms are like, how I deal with my anxiety. Yes. How I deal with uh, uh, what I do to make myself feel better. <laughs> what I, and so the yours is self-help. Yeah. It was, uh, I think it was, a, oh, Steve Young did life coaching. So whatever. But it was like, um, so yours is self-help. You have brought at least a dozen books. I recognize some of these uh, titles, by the way. Yeah. 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 So, But you have in these self-help books um, 
books about acting and stand-up. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Like, there, so it's not just straight up, hey, On Apology, which is my one of my sister's favorite uh, self-help books. It's called- on Apology? O-N yeah. Apology? Oh, yeah, and it's oh essentially gosh. how to apologize. What a fantastic book. I yeah. love it. Yeah, you would, I think. I'm you- actually pathologically good at apologizing. Oh, wait a minute. Interesting. Hubris. Wait, how do you... <laughs> Can you be hubristic about your own ability to apologize? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Boy, you, you can are. Be proud you can, it. can't you? Because yeah, you're you proud be... that you're such a humble bastard. Exactly. You're proud of your humility. <laughs> that's... Boy, that's... Well played. Well played, I say. Not a lot of people can do it. You're nailing it. But so... But you know, the Unapology book... And I have not read it. I oh, I want to read it. I know it. I, it's in my... It's in my cart on uh, <laughs> on Amazon. Uh, I should apologize to Darla because my sister tells me, like, she she's sent me clips of it and there's been, you know, there's PDFs online because people have like, this is amazing. Do you owe her an apology of some kind? I think I do. Darla, I'd like to genuinely. Well, no, because she gets to tell me how to apologize sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's essentially, a, it's about actual contrition it's about actually being sorry yes and about actually not you know deciding that you won't do it again yeah whatever you did and if there's any way that you can fix what you did do and if you can't how not to harp on it it's an undercelebrated art yeah yeah people don't do it it's not admired generally right right and the way people write their apologies in the newspaper are usually full of excuses and because yeah. a, a true apology doesn't have excuses mitigations and yeah. not not if it's your fault right you right you you don't go yeah i'm sorry and, and it's like the ifs and the yeah. ands and the buts yeah the contextualizations yeah and, you gotta lose them you yeah. gotta just be sorry yeah just be sorry and fix it yeah because it goes without saying that you were worked up Basically, you're saying, well, I was worked up. We were in conflict. I got hot under the collar, and I'm sorry. A Robert little Bushani of that isn't too damning. He's just said the words worked up, and I'm pleased as punch. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, exactly, though. Because, yeah, your work, everyone's worked up. Yeah, that goes-, goes without saying. Don't say it. Just say, look, I shouldn't have done that. Right. I know that I shouldn't have done that. And uh, right, we both need to read this book clearly because uh, there, there's verbiage that ju- that tends to justify our errors instead of just owning our errors and moving forward. I totally. mean, everyone has guilt for things that they did or did not do. Yeah, uh, you got to manage your own guilt, man. Yeah, uh, it isn't my fault that you hurt me. And I don't think you have to be an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic, to go out and make amends. If you screwed something up, right? It's the word amends. I think that people freak out a little bit about because they're like, "Oh, that's that twelve step thing," and you're yeah. like, "Yeah, it works for millions of people. It yeah. doesn't work for. It also doesn't work for millions of people. Right? But whatever you're doing, try to." Uh, be one of the people that it works for. Yeah. Because <laughs> the word amends just means to accountability, you know, and, and, and reparation. Yes. And this type of thing, right? Yes. Yeah. So I've introduced a book that I have not read. <laughs> that, okay. That neither of you. Well, so I want to read books. it so much. The yeah. title is very... Um... On apology. Well, it's you've very, got um, forgive and forget. Here. I do have forgive and forget. Boy, was that good at one time when I read it. I read it a long time ago. I but mean, you a kept long it. It was time a keeper. ago. It was a keeper because it's absolutely miniature. It's a very, very small book, and I absolutely loved it. It got yeah. me through it. <clears throat> Whatever. I mean, we it got all, there was some healing. Yeah, there was some healing. I, a woman broke up with me, and we were ah, we were together for. Remember how in college you'd get with someone and you would just be with them intensely without barely being out of each other's I eyesight? I witnessed it. I witnessed it. But this was for like a year plus. We right. lived together just every day. And, and you were baby birds. We you, were baby birds. You, you well, were, I was you were a little like 19, 20? Bit. No, I was like 23. I was in graduate school. Okay. So anyhow, she, she split. Which the, Here's the weirdest thing. <laughs> we were together maybe, I'll say, 13 months. After nine months, she had a job interview in a different state, flew mm-hmm. in for it. And I thought to myself, while she was gone, I thought, gosh, I hope she gets this thing because this relationship just, I want for it to be over. So I hoped she would get the job. Oh, interesting. She didn't get the job. 
four months later, she tr- leaves town because she got her master's or whatever and right. sets up shop in a different city, breaks up with me remotely, which is... Uh, not well, ideal. Talk I was about, crushed. Yeah. Now, why would I be crushed? Why right, would I Because four be? months earlier, you wanted out. Four months earlier, I wanted out. And retrospectively, I can see I had zero Neither benefit of you. from that relationship. Yeah, and it yeah, you wasn't were both good. done. We were both done, but I didn't have the guts to leave it. But but I was I was ruined, crushed, hurt. <laughs> so I had to read this book to forgive and forget her. And it was written. I think by that's when it was Lewis Smedes. Smedes. Yeah. I was S-M-E-D-E-S. big into it. I brought several copies and gave them away to people. Oh, I've done that. I've been there. You got the yeah. artist way sitting over there. I oh, just. Yeah. Uh, um, Ted Alexandro did the show the other day. Ah, uh, yes. And he brought his wife, and I had a, a stacks of books over there that are going over to the used bookstore, so mm-hmm. I can get credit. It's more of a lend lease program I'm doing with the Iliad, and um, the a copy of The Artist Way was over there, and uh, an Ayurvedic uh, dieting book that just talks ah. about sleep and eating that I've pretty much internalized, but not acted upon. I think I'm a pitta. Right, right. There's right. I think I'm pretty sure I'm a pitta. No, I might be the the slower one. My fiance makes fun of me a lot because I'm a, this terrible pitta. I can't any fluctuation <laughs> in temperature. I'm made for San Francisco or Seattle or Portland. Is, weather. The, is that where is that where you started comedy? No, 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 no. Chicago. Chicago, which is not for me. Chicago is the worst place for a pitta. Right. Well, yeah, pitta can't hate fluctuation in. And that's all Chicago is. It's mo- it's, it's all it is. People complain about the winters in Chicago, but they forget about the two and a half month unendurable summers. <laughs> right. There is about three months spread between each end of summer that is one of the most beautiful yeah, places. Maybe in the world. one month on either side, but I totally agree. I'll go six agree. weeks. I'll go six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks on either side. Yeah. And uh, it's real nice. The, the leaves change. You go down to the you go down to the lake, and it's cooler by the lake. I don't know yeah. if you know this about it Chicago. That's uh, one of the things they always say. It's yeah. cooler. They say yeah. it in Milwaukee all the time as well. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. It's cooler down by the lake. Yeah. It's funny for us. It's also uh, more frigid when the wind comes off. Uh, oh my in god! The dead of winter, which extends <laughs> to April. <laughs> right. So I will say this though is so this forgive and forget. What does it say about forgetting? I don't freaking remember. Oh, there you, I, go. you know what? The basic tenet is yeah. to... What'd you take is, out of this one? Here's the thing. Here's the, the basic tenet about all of them, to my mind. Yeah. Is that you describe the whole thing. You figure out who did what wrong. You figure out what they did wrong. You figure out why you're not letting it go. You talk it all out. The more you can describe an incident or a relationship or whatever to yourself and to somebody else... The less you're sort of swallowing it, right? It's a it's a change of perspective. Yes. If you tell somebody else, right? Also, writing it down on the paper helps that because if you reread something you've written, yeah. especially if you read it out loud, yeah, I'm a big fan. Even if you read it out loud to yourself, really, you do that? Oh yeah, you could. Uh, I always, whatever I write, I read out loud. Like, really? Yeah. It's it's uh, like I'm writing this book. And I read each chapter out loud. Oh, that's because great. Because first of all, I can hear uh, the grammar errors. Mm-hmm. I can hear the language errors mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes the conceptual errors. But whenever I have like something, some sort of emotional issue or mm-hmm. some grumpy Magoo thing that I'm going mm-hmm. through, if I write it all out and then I read it aloud. Wow. I've never read it, any of it aloud. I never read any of it aloud. I only read aloud stuff that I'm planning to be, have to for the stage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I recommend about reading this sort sort of journal, in, like a a finite journal entry, yes. right? Yes. Where you're trying to get something off your chest. Yeah. If you read it out loud to yourself, even just to yourself, you will laugh. Really? At how absurd you are. Is that right? Because the pers- you'll hear the pers- the perspective. I don't know what it does in my mind, but all of a sudden, I I can almost hear someone else saying it to me. Yeah. At which point, I'd be like. Yeah. What are you nuts? Yeah, that's great. That's, that's not, so. That's great. She doesn't think that at all. She's because I mean it's one of those realizations wow, where if you remarkable. read it aloud and you're mad about because someone's someone doesn't believe in you or there's some sort of drama and you read it and you're like she does this or he's like that and that's what they think about me and you read it out loud and you're like Isn't oh that, he's not thinking about me at all. I heard Eckhart Tolle on um, Oprah's uh, Soul Super Soul Sundays book on audiobook I got okay and he said 
he was near suicidal and he thought, I can't, I can't take myself anymore or something. Oh, yeah. And he said, wait a minute, that told me that there's a voice who couldn't take some entity. Mm. But he said, I realized that the voice wasn't the thing. The voice was a separate thing. It wasn't the actual me. And once I realized there were two people talking, I've had total freedom ever since. (laughs) You know, that's his. Right. Well, and I mean, the weird thing about depression or being sad or any of that stuff, if it isn't chemical, is that you get better. Like it passes. Suicidal thoughts. I've had suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. And... I think everybody has. I think uh, I don't know that ever, but I think a, I know a lot. Of, a lot of people have, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, but they pass. The day gets better. There yeah. is something to do. Something funny happens. Something funny happens. Something silly happens. Something lovely happens. Yes. Go hug a fucking tree. Anyway, <laughs> but do something. But I mean, it's it's move your feet. You know, yeah. like whenever I have a, a stage fright. Yeah. Uh, if I move, physically move my feet, it goes away. You get stage fright? Uh, it's a long story about uh, Last Comic Standing. Never got it before. Uh-huh. And then Last Comic Standing put a fucking camera in my face for 32 hours. Uh-huh. And then I it drove me nuts. Uh-huh. It literally fucking drove me nuts. Oh, wow. So, fuck you, <laughs> NBC, Last Comic Standing. <laughs> And everyone who had anything to do with it, uh, you could eat a fucking bullet. There you go. Because I never had stage fright. Huh. Do you get stage fright? No. See? I used to, and then I didn't. What, what, was it just nervousness, or was it a frozen stage fright? Because I, I would get, I get I, nervous. I separate it into two different things. I sometimes feel kind of accurate trepidation. If I feel like they're not going to go for me, then I'll feel gloomy about that prospect that's not but stage it, fright it's not stage fright i don't really feel stage fright right and i don't think you ever have no i did in what the beginning was, there was you were frozen not frozen that's not stage fright then well stage yeah. by definition. i would feel nerves and butterflies yeah, no, but then now i don't feel any of that never no butterflies no nerves anymore so even when um you it's, do a live like or, for eleven thousand people Oh, like a big, important show? Yeah, You get nerves. Not not so much. New room? New room nerves? Not so much. It's an accurate trepidation about how it's going to go? An accurate trepidation I will have. That's like a pre-sorrow if I can sense that they're not my kind of crowd. Right. right, That's just nerves, right? Right. So I I think we all have that. And if you don't have that, that's actually uh, its own problem. It kind of is its own problem because... People amble on to stage as though they're walking from their bedroom to the bathroom. <laughs> and you're like, can you please spike it up a little bit? Put you're, a little effort into put it. Put a little effort into it. Yeah. I want to see that you mean this. Right. Please don't phone it in. Yeah. It's one of my least favorite things. Me too. So, but, uh, so what, what I, what I'm fascinated about this book though is Lewis Smedis. He wants you to forget, forgive and forget. Yeah. What are you forgetting? <sighs> I think you write it off. Okay. Like I, I came across just today, my, my ex-wife mailed me a big box of papers and I saw like an old owner's manual for a Mazda that's long since gone from my life and her life and an old <laughs> Maybe Mazda. Maybe even the world. So you just throw, right, <laughs> pro, uh, undoubtedly even the world. So I threw away the owner's manual and I think that's what, I think that's what the author's saying. Like at some point you have to write it off. It's right. just a gone thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you have to just let history bury it. Fair enough. What is this? How to get control of your oh, time and your a good life? One. My dad had that one. Oh, so, oh that's I was a little was. kid when I when I first acquired that one, and you'll see I have probably Ooh. insane underlinings in that. But that's an old one. This is seventy three. It's called How to Get Control of Your Time and Your Life, which is it's just beautiful. That book. He's a renowned time management consultant. It's it's what this is wonderful. You would love this one. It's what? hilarious. Oh, it's oh, it's funny. No, it's not intentionally funny. Oh, that's too. But he's so. <laughs> um, Wait a minute. What's the word without irony about the whole thing? Is he just ambitious? How well, to use waiting time. Make your sleep work for you. Oh, my God. It's this wonderful. Is, this has created the inst- the problems that we have today. That's what this book has done. Yeah. My, my dad used to read a bunch of these as well, and we used to listen to uh, motivational speakers when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I like them, too. Do you like them? Do you uh, listen to them? No, no. No, I don't listen to them. Uh, well, but they're fun, uh, and what's, the, what's, what's it going to Here's my <laughs> feeling. What's it going to hurt? <laughs> right? That's what I always th- think about a um, sort of 
um, hippy skippy doctors. Like the the like I, I I went to any number of acupuncturists and and in various degrees of good at it, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. skilled chiropractors and all these things. Uh-huh. And I always thought to myself, what's the worst thing they're going to do? Tell me to eat kale? It's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. Now you've got some professional books in here. Yeah, I do. This uh, this this Michael Caine one is a trip. Oh, that's wonderful. He's he's great. It just makes you want to get beyond set all the time so you can enact the things he's saying. Right. It's called acting in film. Michael Caine, an actor's take on movie making, and one of the things it's I I it's in my bathroom. I do some rereading of it sometimes, mm-hmm. and what one of my one of my favorite things that he's always talking about being on time and respecting the art. What we were just talking about, don't yeah. phone it in. No, don't phone it in. Michael doesn't want you to phone it in. No, he's like you said you would do this. Yeah, he takes it very seriously. He he complains about actors who are working on their next project in their trailer. He says you stay in your trailer in a state of tension about the thing you're about to do. <laughs> <laughs> or in a state of intense yeah. focus. Yeah. And he wrote it and so it's really funny. Or yeah. he, he co wrote it maybe. Yeah. But um now what now how to audition for the camera. Oh, I love that one. Sharon Bailey. Yeah. That's fantastic. Forward by Brian Cranston. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. They cast um Oh Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and freaking um all the things. And this uh, is lots and lots and lots of huge projects. Barry. Two, you know, 2012. Yeah. That the, one's The weird great. thing, she's a casting director. I never think those people have any time. They're, they're one, some of the busiest people in Hollywood. I yeah, they think. are. They're just like, it's a they 90 absolutely hour. Are. It's like a 90 hour yeah, job. Yeah, they're, they're besieged. Yeah. But for whatever reason, she wrote this book and it's great. And she in here, the thing I love about this book is. She gives lots and lots of little practical advice, you know, and it's all it's all good advice. But most books about acting, ugh, they're they're so up their own butts. It's <laughs> they're unreadable. They render themselves right. unreadable. Kind of insufferable. Her, ma- her main thing is that she says, "Look, you kind of know what to do. The problem is, a lot of people. She doesn't quite say most. Don't yeah. do what they know they have to do enough." She sort of says, don't come in and ask me when the callbacks are. That's annoying. It's presumptuous. And you can get the information elsewhere. She says, work and work and work and work and work and work on the scene and then come in and give me your best freaking scene, version of the scene. So she doesn't really tell you how to act. She sort of challenges you and she cites that other book called Peak over there, yeah, which is about just peak performance, which is which is. See, I, I can I can feel listeners cringing as no, they're no. hearing me talk. But th- but well, no, th- this uh, people who love these books are taking notes. So uh, people who don't love these books probably are listening to a different episode. Right. So don't worry about it. <laughs> but the uh, but the the thing is is this is an essentially there's a theme through all of these which is do the work that you were hired to do. Yes. And auditioning seems to be and I do not. You know that I've done very few auditions. Is that right? And I've done very few acting. I've heard you talk about an audition on stage. Uh, that uh, I get one uh, once or twice a year. I'll get yeah, an audition. Okay. And But the weird thing is, is it's its own job. You yeah. know? it's. I happen to love it. Which do you? I'm almost alone in that. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Uh, but I enjoy it. You enjoy it. You enjoy the process and all of it? Yeah. I enjoy getting all riled up. Yeah. I enjoy... The, the, the challenge the of it and the and, and if it it's a funny a scene, I enjoy trying to get a laugh in the room, which is exactly like doing stand up. Right. Right. You know, from this little fake depiction of whatever that you're doing. Right, right. When you just have a two and a half page scene yeah. taken out of context. Or to a two or three line scene. Right. Just one page. Yeah, I get a kick out of that for sure. Huh. All right. Oh, what what is Zen and the art of stand up comedy? Jay oh, yeah. Sankey. Yeah. Um, like? My cousin recommended that before I ever did stand up, and as you can see, I highlighted stuff within it. Yeah, you um, did. It's very it's it's very pleasant. He's kind of a Zen guy. He's ruminative. He's not um, uh, wiggly oh, shouty comic. No, he's not wiggly or shouty. I've right. never even seen any of his stand up. Presumably, oh, interesting. it's out there. But uh, it's you know really- he's a cross between Charles Manson and the Little Prince. He's a great talent for physical work combined with his offbeat material, and uh, that makes for tremendous results. Well, I kind of brought that book to. He seems like a sweetheart. He is honestly. a sweetheart, and and he's. <laughs> 
I mean, most stand-up comedians would say uh, uh, that any class that is about stand-up or any book that tells you to do stand-up, oh, right. oh there's only one way to do it. You got to get up there and do it. I mean, that's fine. But what's a class going to hurt? What's a book going to hurt? It's, it's not like, going to hurt. It's like kale. Uh, it's literally not going to hurt. It the it actually I have met instances where it could hurt. There was there, there's a story that that I tend to tell. There was a woman who taught stand up comedy in Minneapolis in the early nineties, mm-hmm. and the first class of her of this six week show, a six week uh, class, she just have everyone just walk up to the stage, take the mic out of the mic stand, move the mic stand mm-hmm. to the side set themselves, grab the mic stand, put the mic stand back in, and then walk off stage. She was like, just get used to being on stage. And I was like, no, because she herself was a terrible comedian. Uh, She was not uh, funny. She was not exciting. But she, what she taught was the mechanics. And she taught, um, and I think by osmosis, literally just the mechanics of pulling the mic out and getting Mm -hmm. on stage and getting off stage, Mm -hmm. uh, not running the light, you know, just sort of real practical stuff. And then, and then she was such a terrible comic that I'm sure everyone I, everyone I know who took that class left thinking, oh, I can do this. Yeah. And she didn't tell anyone what to write. There, were, there was another guy who taught stand-up comedy classes in Minneapolis, and he was also not a great comic, but he had a definition of what was funny. Uh, and that's where it falls apart, I think. Oh, that's – yes, it does. Yeah, that's right. And so the book, this book about acting, Audition for the Camera, how to audition on camera, she – doesn't tell you how to act. She's not real big on, you know, most acting books are say, <laughs> get a smell, associate it to a tangential, your, your quadra objective, and that will undergird right. your spatial sensations. <laughs> and you're like, what? I didn't bring my thesaurus. If you could just kind of, and quit line reading me. Yeah. Quit telling me how I should read the line. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, how do you tell somebody to act without defaulting to that level of micromanagement I, it's almost impossible to right. do so i understand the difficulty of the task of i think explaining teaching people to act probably is harder than teaching stand-up yeah because stand-up you can just sort of you can rein people in that's yeah. that that's the only that's the only real like i met with an, uh, a a nice guy one of the very young he's only a year and a half in he was like i'd love to take you out for coffee and pick your brain and i'm like Sure, I like coffee, and so we went out for coffee. He was a very nice, nice young man, and he, uh, but he was telling me that he does a character that's based on his childhood, and I was like, "Well, why don't you just be you, which is also based on your childhood?" Mm-hmm. And he was like, "I, I like the idea of a character. I mean, he, he liked the disconnect from yeah. stand up, and yeah. I was like." I mean, do whatever you want, especially with stand-up, yeah. but because uh, the audience will let you know, yeah, uh, that that isn't working. Oh, they will, and uh, and and so, but he, but the, I was like, is I wonder if there's a way I could rein in this character business because it wasn't a true character. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a true character. It was actually a character of. It was. It was literally a, like a. Um, it was him. And a part of him that he didn't want to address. Uh-huh. And so he decided to make it a character. And oh, you're wow. like, well, just address it. You know, that's yeah. where the real comedy, I think, yeah. could come from. But obviously, I also yeah. said, do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. A year and a half in, well, when do br- something. When new people learn that you're a comedian, a lot of times, or people who have a knack that they might want to do comedy learn that you're a comedian. I've had a, several times people say... Yeah, but the open mics are just so dismal. And you want to say, yeah. Yeah. There's no way to do it other than to (laughs) take off your shoes and socks and run across the glass 12 football fields that you have to run across. There's no other way. You can't, there's no safe way around that. And he's a year, and this guy was a year and a half in, and he does this open mic here in the valley, the San Fernando Valley, that is, it costs $5. Mm hmm. you get five minutes, they lock the door so everybody has to watch everybody else, but it's only 45 minutes. So mm. he's like, eight people go up, five minutes each. You all have to watch each other. It's five bucks each. For, but in 45 minutes, it's over. So you, who gets the $40? Oh, the guy. The guy's making a fortune. 
The guy because he's got eight shows a night. Eight no. times eight times five dollars. Eight times forty. That's third three hundred twenty bucks. Yeah, a night, and he does it for. And that nights. doesn't include a drink or anything. No, you don't get a drink or anything. Of course, he's got to pay rent and all that. He's got to pay rent, and uh, that's it. Probably some chairs he purchased and a, and a, and a mic stand. Those are one-time purchases. <laughs> but the on, but if he's making three hundred forty a night, and he's doing uh, eight of them, uh, three hundred four. Well, whatever. Three hundred twenty bucks a night, cash, a night, cash, and he's doing it four nights a, a week. What do you mean lock the doors? Is that safe? What if it catches fire? Right, right. Well, it's not the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. I mean, they're not going <laughs> to they're not going to totally or a poultry factory, you know. It seems like those are They're not chained kept... to the mic stand. <laughs> they um he's just like you cannot leave because you have to support the other comics. But I was explaining to this young man because he's <sighs> been doing regular open mics and he's been doing that open mic for a year and a half, right? Now, he did his first book show and he realized that the jokes he was writing for the comics in that room oh, yeah. are much darker, much edgier, much weirder yeah. than normal people. Cause can absorb yeah, they don't at, have on, the con- at first pass. Right. They don't have the context. I had exactly that conflict. Yes. We all did. Yeah. Cause you're playing to the comics in the back of yeah. the room and, um, you're like, oh, I need to make Jim laugh. Jim's, I love Jim. Yeah, Jim's yeah. really funny. Yeah. And uh, you're like, no, no, there's, what, what about the, the couple? Yeah. What about Bill and Helen? Yeah, you got to make row? the couple laugh. <laughs> you got to figure out that tight walk. Somewhere the between the two walk. of them. Anyway, so, yeah, Zen and the Art of Stand-Up Comedy. I'm sure it can't hurt. Well, no, And with all of hurt. these books, you take what you want, right? You take Leave. what you want. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't. And the thing is, uh, so I, Ted... There's a genre now because of TED Talks of like an intellectual, sociological self-help book. So they're basically self-help books, but they're they're they've got uh, science, yeah, pretend science, real yeah. science. Well, both mixed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of like they they kind of give you scientific examples and sort of sociological data and they refer to this study and that study. So they're much more um, palatable for people who don't want to admit that they like self-help books. Now, are you looking for, like, in in a lot of these, it's the same message over and over again. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Janet, my fiance says she's got an app called Blinkist. 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 Okay. Which is... Uh, fifteen minute summaries of all these damn nonfiction books. Oh, that's hilarious! Because she says most of them now, a lot of these books or this genre is a good essay turned into a book, <laughs> which is to say quadrupled or you know right. sextupled in size. And they say exactly what you're wrong. saying, Jackie, is the same damn thing again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Which doesn't, which isn't bad. I mean, we need the repetition to. Well, when will we yeah. finally learn the thing? Right, right. right. It's a, like what's and creative visualization. Probably do you helps. do this, Jackie? I want to ask you this, <laughs> please. Do you think? Well, at half past, I'll really kick into gear. Like it's twenty three past, and I'm really enjoying this like Twitter cloud that I'm in. <laughs> at thirty past real life's gonna start and i'm gonna click into place boy and then i'm really gonna nail it all all of life i have a timer can you see a timer underneath my uh oh yeah yeah yeah. i can it's set at 30 minutes and sometimes i hit it and then i'm like 30 minutes from i'm gonna screw around for 30 minutes i'm gonna play marvel puzzle quest or whatever thing i'm gonna read this i'm gonna reread this book that I've been rereading for 30 years. Stoke my own fury about Trump for another 12 or, minutes. Or, w- yeah, or go into a spiral on Facebook or Twitter or read an article that's just going to infuriate me. Yes. And um, for 30 minutes, then this thing's going to go off and then I'm going to turn it all down. You're just going to kick it all into place and you're really going to get after it. Finally, <laughs> all these years, man, are you going to nail it all? Because you're not going to dick around anymore, and you're not going to spiral off into distractions anymore. You know, I put and self doubt for weeks. I put off writing the second chapter that I had to submit for this writing thing, right? Uh-huh. And 
he, you know, I'm writing it and it, it was essentially, it's the uh, sex scene in a romance novel. Mm-hmm. And I was embarrassed and I didn't want to do it. And I was all like, it's going to be gross. And I'm like, you read them all the time. What, 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 what are you, what are you killing yourself over? <laughs> I love that it's you a, gave your, your voice of truth was a little bit lower yeah, in tone. It's a, it a little I, quieter. I, I think it's my dad. I think it's my dad. It's like, what do you, what, what are you hiding from? What are you, what are you hiding from the truth over here? Who gives a shit? You use that voice on stage all the time, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. It's to really good effect. It's a, it's the other truer voice. It's, it's a tr- undercutting. It's a, well, because my father is right 85% of the time. Uh. And 15% of the time, here's the joke, he hands you a monkey's paw. <laughs> and uh, you may <laughs> literally go insane because he's <laughs> lost his damn mind. Anyway, but 85% of the time, his self-absorption and his... One of the greatest things about Elliot Cation is his glass half full mentality. You know, he's he was just in the hospital because uh, he had a, an infection. Hilariously, Andy goes, "Finally, chlamydia." Is that what happened? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but he could have taken what uh, it was not chlamydia. Uh, he could have taken antibiotics uh, oral, right? Just pills, right? But he was like, "No, bring me into the VA. Hook me up." To a intravenous thing three times a day, and uh, and then we'll knock it out in four days instead of um, a six week run, right? And so he goes in, and he and he's like, it's like a spa week going into the. And I'm like, you're 81. That's where people die, Dad. And uh, he's like, no, they bring you a cup of coffee anytime you want. There's a lot of pretty nurses around. It's nice. And uh, Dad. And, and so he got out, I guess, two days ago, and um, and I haven't talked to him, but my brother goes. All dad had to say about getting out of the hospital was like, next day was hot dog day. I don't understand. We were going to watch the Brewers and we're going to watch. It was, it was a hot dog day. So he was bummed that he, he had bumming. to leave? Yeah. Because oh, the thing is, is he's a social animal. Yeah. But everything for the, the good thing about some of the good things about his, uh, his self-absorption is that he genuinely is encouraging. Yeah. He's like, I don't understand why you don't just do what you want. It's like, well, because I'm worried about what other. And he's like. La 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 la. I stopped listening. Right. It's like I'm worried about what other people think. He's like, uh, I don't, I don't understand that language. What, what did you say? <laughs> so, uh, my ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. You guys, I'm really into Fab Fit Fun. Sign up for Fab Fit Fun today. They're boxes. They make amazing gifts for the holidays, actually. And if you use my code DORK, you get $10 off your first box. So go to fabfitfun.com to sign up and start getting the box for a life well-lived. Use the promo code DORK to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. Go to fabfitfun.com and use my code DORK to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. Uh, you guys, I got the winter box and it's really, really fun. I'm in. Things are fabulous. Things are fun. There's fitness involved. I have yet to see the fitness, but that's because I'm never looking for fitness. So far, I, my favorite thing that I've gotten is a thing called yoga. Y-O-G-A-H-H-H exclamation point. It's a detox bath thing and you put it in the bath and then you get to have a nice bath with uh, that smells good and got like epsom salt in it but i don't think it has epsom salt anyway it's a big thing of yoga detox bath and that clearly is my favorite thing here's the thing in every box there's cosmetics and there's some eyeshadow which i never buy enough eyeshadow so the fact that fabfitfun sends me a box of lipstick eyeshadow. There were earbuds in the last box that was amazing. I actually really like FabFitFun, you guys. So go to FabFitFun.com, use my code DORK, and get $10 off your first box. It's full-size stuff, really fun, and it would make a really good present for the holidays. Uh, Let's get back into the show. Talk to me about creative visualization. Oh, that one's good. Now, she is absolutely... The most Malibu, Santa Monica, hippy dippy. Yeah. Um, but she. This is this is probably this started all a zillion people talk about this stuff. Oh, creative visualization. And what she says is, if you say to yourself in writing, in speech, whatever, and absolutely in vivid detail, pre 
visualize Uh-oh. the successful thing that you want yes. in a way, and she's, this is the Malibu Santa Monica yeah. part, in a way that will only lead to better things for everyone at all times. That's how she gets uh, around, right, right. I'm going to get it and you're not. Yeah. In a way that is fully, you know, fulfilling for all people at all times, the good thing cannot help but come to me now. And she says, <laughs> usually it's sooner rather than later. Well, here's and, but it's and, and, great. It's and, but great, the, but because the takeaway it's horrible, from but that, it's great. right? Because the takeaway from that is is think good thoughts about what you want out of life, and try not to and and think about the abundance that is there. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's okay to want things. Yeah, as long as 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 long as you're not. And and I think that's implied is that as long as you don't want the harm of other people, right? Your creative visualization again. What does it hurt? Yeah, it doesn't hurt anything. And more than that, it freaking helps. It can work. And it, it's so it's so embarrassing to well, admit yeah. that you need like and the want secret, these things. It's, yeah. yeah, creative visualization. The is secret like, probably wouldn't have happened without this book, or I should think. I mean, I right. don't freaking know. I don't well, know why I'm making that well, line the in the sand. Is, but is if you go back, oh, who wrote um, Richard Bach is who I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah, he wrote... Seagull. Jonathan oh, Livingston. I love that book when I was a kid. I love that That's, book. Well, I never read Jonathan Livingston Seagull. I read something when I was 19 called Illusions. Uh-huh. Illusions. Ooh. Robert Boucher. <laughs> <laughs> it was called Illusions. And it was essentially creative visualization. Uh-huh. It was about a guy who got it, man. He, he flew a, blo- a biplane, this guy. He flew a biplane from town to town and gave rides to people who wanted to ride in a biplane. And no, it's bugs, a novel or like and a it's parable. A it's a parable, and it's and it's a novel. And it's, it's by the same guy who did Jonathan Livingston. Yes, Richard Bach. And I was nineteen when I read it, and it was entirely about creative visualization and the secret and <gasps> think good thoughts. And I gotta stuff. get that one. And I spent a summer living in Wisconsin Dells. Stacked like cordwood with other roommates, mm-hmm. uh, working ninety hours a week at a t-shirt shop. We sold seconds and irregulars, and uh, parked out in front of that. That uh, and I wanted a car, and I visual, I creatively visualized there was a car parked in front of uh, my t-shirt shop for like a week and a half, and I was like, "That's my car. I bet you that's my car." Because I read Illusions, yeah, and I was nineteen, and uh, I think we could safely say that I was mostly drunk most of the time. <laughs> So there was all kinds of terribles going on, but uh, luckily uh, it never. Ca- I said, you know, one day I'm going to just open up the car door there, and if the keys are in it, I'm going to say it's mine. And luckily, I never opened that car door, and someone came and picked up their own fucking car. Yeah. Uh, so it, I like the idea of just using something like creative visualization to think yourself out of negative thoughts yeah to to, to stop beating yourself up a hundred times a day well the we i think the line where it gets uncomfortable and absurd <laughs> for people is when you fear that you're gonna want something too literally you know yeah. that you're gonna just exactly like you at 19 wanting that specific car right and so but, people sense that that's absurd and so they <laughs> recoil from the overall <laughs> message which is you know, right. you're going to nail the audition or whatever. You know, right. it's embarrassing to even say aloud. Why is it embarrassing to say aloud? I don't know because. But it is. But we're raised to not to not want things or not to vocalize what we want. Some some people are. Other people have no problem. Just take, yeah, take, do. take, take, take. Th- that they don't, do they? I, they, I don't they think really they do. They really don't. And you know what? A lot of the time, it freaking works, and it works like un uh, like s- tsunami level entitlement, self entitlement, right, right, and self fulfilling prophecy. It's I was talking to the young comic guy because he is a very handsome young white gentleman, and I was like, you know, because he, he well, and he brought it up. He said, you know, I there are disadvantage. You know, we were talking about the the privilege of being a white and the privilege mm-hmm. of being a white dude. And it's not that your life isn't hard. It's just, it isn't, you don't have the disadvantages of other people. You, you, you get a pass on things that other people have to. And how did he take that? Oh, he, he, he was great. He was like, Oh, that does make sense. Because the way I, the, 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 my tiny parable to young comic, young boy comics is that nobody's handing you twenties onto the table. 
but also nobody is checking your bag when you leave a store. Right. You know, nobody is assuming that you're stealing. Nobody right. is assuming that you're doing these horrible things. So, but I said, the other thing you got to know is that everybody else, like for some reason, young white men have always, and, and men in general, more, even, even men of people of color are taught to be squeaky wheels uh-huh. and women and, uh, like booking this, the dork forest, uh-huh. I get more straight white guys who are like, just check it in. And thus they get booked more often. Mm-hmm. Like I get, you know, a black woman who's like, no, I want to do the dork forest. And then months will go by. And I was like, did you want to still do it? And she's like, yeah, I didn't want to bother you. And I was like, no, no. And I was raised by Elliot Cation, yeah. who says, no, you got to, the sale doesn't happen unless you ask a hundred. Was times. he a salesman? Oh yeah. Aluminum setting. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It sounds like what you would make up as a product to give to an, a salesman a if you comic. didn't know what they, what yeah. they sold. It's a, yeah. Aluminum siding. Yeah. Very much so. It's uh go to the, I, it's, he's really good at it, but it's all a numbers game. But you, you know? know, Jackie, all this stuff about learning to sell and getting all these books and trying to <laughs> visualize stuff is just trying to slide your mind over to something that comes naturally to somebody who is enormously, insanely entitled to right. begin with. Right. So we're trying to simulate their behavior. <sighs> right. Or their mindset or something. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I mean, the thing is, is you use these books to enhance your own sense of self-worth and to remind yourself that you are worthy of some of these things, right? You're you're allowed yeah. to Yeah, that's true. to do these things that's true. that other people are like, "No, of course I'm allowed to do that." Yeah. And um and then a third group doesn't read these books maybe and doesn't think that they're worthy of anything. Yeah. And so this is an artificial band-aid to try to remind yourself that you are not a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> that you should not be left on the on the wayside. You're like, oh, that's right. Because all of these have another thing. They're all about action. Yeah, they are. They aren't they they aren't just read this book. <laughs> no. In fact, I struggle to go back to fiction these days. Okay. Because it doesn't it doesn't, you know, immediately tell me to go out and take action. Oh, interesting. So I don't necessarily, I, I feel Can like I if recommend I recommend some books for you. Yeah, absolutely. Some, some fiction. I love good fiction or yeah. I did historically, but I just, I have fallen away from it for well, sure. It's, I try, I have to force myself to read nonfiction quite honestly, uh. because fiction is, um, it's inspirational for me, much like these books are, uh-huh. you know, they're in the way that you're like, Oh, look at that underdog, you know? Yeah. He, he, uh, he or she, that child was a mess. They were left out in the wilderness. There's a, there's a book by Louis L'Amour about two, like a six year old and a three year old that are left in the wilderness and who make it back to the Western novelist. Um, Yes. Yeah. And it's set in the old West and they, it's just them and a horse. And this is a book that an 11 year old girl like myself would have freaking loved. And let me tell you something about the 53 year old woman. She also enjoys such a, such a tale. Because uh, it's a tale of not giving up. Right. And it's, and to some extent, much like these encourage you to keep trying right. and remind you to keep trying, that's what fiction often does for me. So they don't eat the horse? They do not eat the horse because the horse is going to, the horse, uh, if they can get on top of that horse, that horse is going to eat the miles. Ah. They're going to make it back to Fort Bridger. Ah. Yeah. But you know who wants that horse? Because it's a real nice horse. Who? Uh, well, bad guys. Bad oh. guys are going to want that horse. There's a, there's a Native American guy who thinks that these two kids, they're pretty great. Maybe he won't kill the kids, but he definitely wants that horse. Uh. And then there's uh, some bad guy white guys who are definitely going to kill those kids and take that horse because uh, they want that horse. Yeah. Turns What's the horse's name? Oh, I think he just calls him Red because it's a big roan. It's a giant... And he's got to find a rock so that he can boost up the little girl. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That is inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't have like a saddle or anything. Huh. Yeah. It's pretty inspirational because they don't give up. You've got to read Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Uh, Right. I think – you don't think that there's a window that I've missed? (laughs) No. Hell no. You'd love it. First of all, it's short, short, short. Super short. 
and it's just a seagull who wants to fly higher than the other seagulls and whatever. And he just thinks for the whole book. Oh, instead of flying? Instead of no, practicing? No, no. Instead of, you know, flying at a level that allows him to see the fish. I'm misremembering it and making this up <laughs> at some point. But the but the parable is about wanting to soar to new heights or whatever. It's I loved it at the time. Sure. Well, good for, I mean, aspiration, right? Hell yeah. All right. Let's try the next one. This, this kind of grabs me here. Oh, the this, Rules for Agent. Oh, it's really, really good. This actually... Roger I, Rosenblatt. Yeah. He's a newspaper man. I think probably a wry editorialist or something from whatever <laughs> era. I don't know much about him, but I absolutely love this book. It's short, too. It's it looks, very short. It and it's light. Ex- now, this one, alone in the whole pack, is actually intentionally funny. And it is very, very funny. The Rules for alone. Aging is intentionally funny. In the entire group of you know of all the books, books. That you this one is very 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 fun it's a wry and witty guide to life yeah it's beautiful and people magazine says it's smart and to the point let's uh <laughs> it's oh and look what i opened it up to it's not about you yeah <laughs> in the late 1970s i was writing columns and editorials for the post because i knew nothing about any particular subject it fell to me to write the paper's editorial whenever a prominent person died okay so frequently did i write such pieces that i soon became known by my colleagues as mr death not the most cheerful nickname but at least it indicated a minor skill when gold of my ear passed away from milwaukee Hello. Really? Yep. Mr. Death was called upon to write an homage to her life and accomplishments. Rather than recite known facts, I wanted to get at least one quote from someone who had known her personally. I was referred to a powerful columnist at the time who I phoned with my request. Could you tell me something especially revealing about Miss Meyer? I asked him. Oh, yes, he said at once. We were very close, you know. I shall never forget the day she leaned forward and told me, you are without question the best columnist in America. Okay, yeah, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the point, it's great. It's funny. But I remember so much from this book, messages like that, because there's another book written by an FBI agent Which called one? The Like Switch, and it's how to get people to like you. That's all it is. And it's so good. <laughs> and it's all exactly along the lines of that little passage you just wrote, which is Don't nobody make it about you. Don't just nobody's even even if you do try to make it about you, nobody will listen. So just <laughs> let other people yammer on about whatever they want to. And they pretend like to be consulting their, um, pretend to be soliciting people's advice. That's what the like switch guy says, and that's what Roger Rosenblatt says. He says oh pretend, consult people, and whatever you decide. They'll take ownership over whatever next move you make. And you can thank them for their invaluable advice, which they won't even remember what they told you to do. But then they can tell their friends, oh, yeah, I always liked that kid. Because what they like about that kid, meaning you, is that you were smart enough to consult with them personally. Wow. So everybody's insanely self-involved, and your only job is to coast along on the upward, you know, hot air vents that they're all (laughs) emitting. And if they have real power, then they can get you something that you want because you will have flattered their lame asses. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to tell you that you've just, I think, defined the dork forest. (laughs) (laughs) Because I let people talk for one hour about what they love a lot. But I am actually... I mean, that is talk about self fulfilling prophecy. I become fascinated by what I have become entirely fascinated by what people love. Yeah. Last night I uh, was talking to this other comic, and he was telling me that he love he loved he loves ACDC. And They're I was like, a great, great, the band? great band, which is all I know about them. And I think they did Back in Black. Am I correct? They did a lot more than that. They're a sensational band. That's what I hear from this young man. They're uh, like a dirty version they're like a dirty non satan oriented although they were a little satan oriented <laughs> they're like heavy 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 rock without quite being heavy metal metal okay. they're not quite metal they didn't have the iconography of metal in the you know the the, the, the leather or... daddy outfits and the, oh, okay and the you know satan power stuff they just were a kind of good old rock and roll band and they're they're insanely good are they Two singers, the first guy, you know, drowned in somebody else's vomit or whatever he did. He was wonderful. Minute and then back 50, in black. I find out that Robert Buscemi also ACDC dork. Oh, it's so, they're such a sensationally good band. <laughs> well, and he was fascinated by the whole thing. 
So, all right, we're just going to keep going on okay. these books. By the okay. way, I'm gonna we're gonna step away because we're gonna let we're gonna let young Grant uh, tell me about uh, his name's Grant. Anyway, Lion uh, maybe. Grant Lyon? Maybe. Maybe. True and False by Mamet. Uh-huh. I used to own this book. Never you read did. it. Never oh, read it's it. it's good. It's a good one. Heresy and Common Sense for the Actor. Yeah. That one's great because he kind of he's kind of a total dick in the book. He just chews Shocking. you out. Shocking. And is it... You now, you talk about in- advice about acting. Yeah. If you follow his advice... Yeah. You'll be a, absolutely the most wooden actor in history, oh, which really? a lot of his actors in his films wind up being okay. very wooden. Because the think. way he directs, because of the way he views acting, and obviously, it, you know, passes along to his actors that he wants them to. So, what was great about True and False? But what is great about it? What's I think the acting advice is the worst I've ever read. Okay. But what's great <laughs> about the book, and what the majority of the book discusses, is. How to just own your desire to be on stage. Oh, interesting. And to act and to write and to be the artist of the theater that you want to be. Not only be okay with it, but to absolutely worship it as a sacred thing that you do and are doing. And it's fantastic. It's like... it's comically direct. It's okay. comically specific that we're all going to die. He keeps saying, like, 11 o'clock will come. I think that's an exact phrase, and he mentions it over <laughs> and over. And just like with his it's, plays and whatever, it's yeah. elliptical, but you know what it means. Okay. And he says he invades against inherited wealth a lot, which oh, okay. some people do. Some people invade against inherited wealth as a huge theme in their lives. I don't quite know why. What's the word you're using? Invey? Invey. Invey again. How do you spell it? Uh, I-N-V-E-I-G-H. Invey. Oh, interesting. Uh, so they... Uh, Decry. I I, okay, I've only seen it in writing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I've ever... I love... I Thank you. I'm weird I, that way. It's a good word. It's a good thank word. You. So, So he's, he's all twitchy about... Uh, some people are about where you're like Silver Spoon comic. Hate him. Hate them, but then what if they're good at it anyway? Like you look at John Mulaney. John Mulaney was born with a silver spoon up his butt, and he's also a pretty uh, fit, handsome, like normal featured dude. But he is a damn hilarious human being. He is, which could infuriate you. Yeah, if you didn't also realize, well, it's not his fault. You know, I'm with you. I don't have a particular chip on my shoulder about people with inherited right. wealth. It can, it I have can a chip on my shoulder if they're, if they're obnoxious at, and right. don't kind of appreciate that not yes. that most people don't have any version of that. Right. That's obnoxious, but I don't find it inherently evil or inherently no, I bad. I don't at all. There's nothing they could have done no. about it. And possibly they've been raised with a noblesse oblige. Right. Look at Amy Schumer. She's trying to use her powers for good. Well, good yeah. for you, young Amy Schumer, yeah. who was also clearly raised uh, not suffering. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the I new- wasn't raised. Here's the thing about the, the the issue. The reason I don't have a particular chip on my shoulder about it is that I was raised comfortably middle class. Mm-hmm. You know, and I got they paid for my college, and I didn't you know have to get a job real early or. You know, right. and I've gotten plenty of advantages, and I live in the, you know, it's America and whatever. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I know, I got enough but education you're, but you're that I could earn. It. I'm self aware that enough to know that these are advantages that you got. Yeah, I got. I had plenty of advantages. And right. Still Some have. people have more of them. Some have more. A lot of people have less. Most have less. Most yeah. Have so less. I don't make a big stink about it. <laughs> right. But but David Mamet does. But mm-hmm. he sort of says, you know. Oh, here's what he does. I remember he says, if you need money, then you'll bust your ass in theater uh, and on stage and as a writer and actor and performer as a and work filmmaker ethic. as he a thinks, work. He, ethic. he thinks it creates work ethic. He. Yeah. And he I've yells some, that. And it's pretty great. It's fun to read because it's inspiring. He's like other people leave the theater at right. nine, 9 p.m. Not you. I've met some very lazy rich people. I've also met some very lazy uh, people of my own economic <laughs> strata. Right. And um and it's it's whatever it is. I mean, work ethic 
having a job is different than work ethic. You know, right. I mean, everyone has a survival instinct. Right. Uh, right. So um, they are two different things, aren't they? Yes. Uh, I but you want to have a crazy work ethic. I do. Well, the, we were raised here in the United States of America, where it is worshipped uh, more so it than absolutely any, than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So he thinks that having that work ethic, and he's he's not wrong. I mean, having that work ethic will help anything that you yes. do, that sort of concentration. Yes. So talk about visualization. It's like whatever you concentrate on, you will get better at. If yes. you practice basketball four hours a day, right. you will be a better basketball player. Right. right. So that's fascinating. What about, uh, now what we got here, more acting. Uh-huh. Brian O'Neill? Oh, I love that one. Oh, acting as a business. Acting as a business. Strategies for success. I love that one. Here's what I love about that one. He says... And I've I've used this ever since. Okay. I read this at like whatever, 23 or whatever. Tip. Here's tips. He says, basically what he says is, just pound the pavement. Go to the casting office. Go to the agent's office. Nobody, and, and I actually believe this and I've used it ever since. Nobody, when you walk into an office with a envelope with somebody's name on it, Yep. And hand it to whoever's ever in that office. Yep. Whether they have a front door person or not, nobody's going to send you out because UPS people do it every day, all the time. Right. And if you deliver paper stuff, you know, snail they mail, will op- they will open, open it. it. They will glance at it. It's almost impossible for them not to open it's it. It's almost impossible that, for them that, not to. That's what they count on for junk mail. That, but you, but if you walk... So what are you walking in? Uh, this was written in 93, I see. Right. So... I mean, could someone today bring their headshot in and I resume? Have many, 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 many times. Just I different bring in casting people. I bring in snacks. Oh, you're just with like, a note that says, "Hey, I'm an actor." It says, "Hey, just did the you know Phoenix Comedy Festival, you know Bird City Comedy Festival in Phoenix. Had a great time. Also about to appear on Grace and Frankie. Yep, enjoy the snacks, Robert. And that's a bag, and it's got like three healthy looking little snack baggies in it. And I will drive and park and walk up to the casting office and put it, you know, walk Hand in it and to say the receptionist. Yeah, or, and yeah. my line is." Got to keep casting fed. <laughs> and I smile and I leave. Right. And that's that. And that's that. And then casting people, remember your name because you are a squeaky wheel. You're doing it. Hell yeah. You know what acting for the as, as a business? Uh, Brian is not wrong and neither are you. That seems like a really good idea. As a matter of fact, <laughs> it's, a, it's, what, it, it, it's sort of what I do um, with avails. I send my avails whether people book me or not. Right. I send my avails every three months. Right. I let them know that I've done a new thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And I say, I still do stand-up comedy, by yeah. the way. Yeah. If you were to, you still have a club. We yeah. Could, we could gather together and do things. Right. And how about the war of art? Break oh, through the blocks good. and win your inner creative belt. Well, battles. he, the author must not have written that, written that subtitle. Because that's a lot. Break through the blocks and win your inner creative That's battles. not his mode. His mode is, it's actually extremely well written. He's a prominent screenwriter, I want to say. Yeah, Stephen he wrote. Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. He wrote, um, he wrote uh, some screenplay about the golfer. Who knows? Something. It's a straight from the hip examination <laughs> of the internal obstacles to success. Yeah. He's so, a, he's a best selling author. Yeah. So, that's a great book. Jared Logan recommended that book to me. Okay, Jared Logan, Ren Fair Dork Forest. Yeah. That's what he talked about. The oh, okay. Festival. So he recommended that book and I got it and it sat on my shelf for some years and then I read it mm-hmm. and it's excellent. He says, look, you got your fucking thing you want to do. <laughs> you got your thing you want to do. You got your screenplay. You know what it is. Or you got, you want to go do stand up. You know damn well you want to do the thing. Right. And he's a writer, and he's kind of talking about writing, but of course it applies to all arts. He says, you know what the damn thing is. Right. Sit down and start it. He Just says, start it. Th- he says, Just- there's a constant war of a zillion things within you that are saying, oh, no, oh, tomorrow, not today. Don't do it. Don't right. do it. Got to do this thing. Got to run errands. Got to do this thing. He's, he says, it's a demon. He kind of 
personifies the oh he anthropomorphizes the, the he anthropomorphizes the bad guy, the bad guy or voice in your yeah, head yeah what does he call it he calls it something i don't steven pressfield yeah and he identifies it very very specifically it's the whatever his notion of the thing is right that tries to get you to not do your art and he says you got to put that thing on a shelf and you have to fight that thing your whole life because it will try at every opportunity and it will never stop to a keep you from de- the thing. Yeah, from varying degrees yeah. of whatever. And a zillion different methods. And, and what I like about all of these books is that, sure, it's about writing the great American novel or screenplay or right. becoming an actor or a musician or whatever. Right. It can also apply to I've always wanted to learn Latin. Yeah. I always wanted to Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh my god. Um, that's that book is about book. just a creative life. I have that. In the in but learning I, Latin, about she, learning Latin. She read the book uh Karen Rontowski gave me the audiobook of it. Yeah. She wrote Eat Pray Fuck she or something, did. right? Eat Pray Love. That's it. <laughs> Eat Pray, go around the world and mm. sleep with people. Yeah. And uh but that that is actually and it's in my car, one of the discs, like disc three yeah. of five. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder what that is. And I put it in because yeah. it was in my it was in the jewel case for Deadpool. Anyway, so it's a weird it just and so I just listened to that again. But what I like about it is that you can take all of this information and learn uh, how to be an electrical, you know, an electrician. That's right. Or a plumber. That's right. What I mean, whatever thing you've always wanted to learn how to do, That's right. you could at least try it. Yeah. And you'll know almost immediately whether you want to continue to do it. Yeah. It's certainly stand up. And I think plumbing. Uh, Robert Buscemi, you should know it's been an hour. Has it? Yeah. Yeah, we got through half it the flew books. Blo- it flew by. Yeah. I can't believe it. I'm impressed that we got through half the books. Yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, I'm on task. I'm over here going, well, here's a stack of books. Let's talk. And we, we addressed many of the big issues. Many of the big issues oh, were, yeah. were addressed in this episode oh, of The yeah. Dark Forest. Robert Buscemi can be found at Robert Buscemi uh, or robertbuscemi.com. It's B-U-C-E-M-I? B-U-S-C-E-M-I. What happened Which there? is phonetic in Italian. There's no H's to, <laughs> to form the sh. It's oh. S-C. B-U-S-C-E-M-I. There we go. Yeah. So Robert Buscemi. And then it's at Robert Buscemi on Twitter and Instagram. And then you have a couple of albums that they can go get. Uh, I do. Where albums are found. One's called Palpable and one's called One Pretty uh, Peacock. Peacock. Yeah. And I have CDs, which are less viable for as a sale. A sale. Do you sell CDs? I do. You do. People buy them. And people buy them. And do you know why? Because uh, they like a hard thing that they can. That sh- then you yeah, can sign do. that, and then they can rip it and give it to all their friends. Well, if anybody's dying for one, if you slide into my DMs, I will snail mail you one and pay the two dollars postage. Oh, there you go. Uh, and then watch them on uh, Gra- Frankie and Grace or Grace and Frankie. Uh, on Netflix in an upcoming episode. There Thank you, you for being on the show, Robert. Oh, it was Jimmy. wonderful. It was, it was, it was a, a blast. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?